Hey, I'm Aldwin. And I'm Jason. And this is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. Why I didn't get excuse me? Can you talk louder so everyone can hear you asking me about my drugs? I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Well, how come they can say whatever they want to me? Oh, it's all talent. I don't worry. I just sit on the couch. I don't want to look like I am I going to be his boyfriend. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. <laughs> I'm Jason. I don't know how to follow that up. Yo, yo, yo. And I'm Aldi. Yeah. That was yeah, weak. Yeah. That was so weekity week. <laughs> It, sorry, we're trying to amuse ourselves. This is the first time we've recorded in the morning in a while. Yes. I don't have my regular beverage, alcoholic beverage. I now have a coffee. I have a coffee, but my mug says maybe it's wine. So <laughs> for anybody who's wondering, you'll never know, but it's coffee. <laughs> not so, even a little Bailey's inside? No, no, I don't. That's not my jam. I don't like. Um, I put a, like a teeny bit of sugar in my coffee, but no, I, d- I don't like that. You're like a pure coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. It's a, It's been an evolution, but people aren't here to, <laughs> to know about my coffee. <laughs> They're here to know what we think about tennis, ours, and the world t- tour. Yeah. You know, every week that we record... Uh, one would think that there's not enough tennis to talk about, but there's so much tennis to talk about. And I think where we're going to start is with our own. Yeah. Winter team churness recap is what my notes say. <laughs> <laughs> it was a doozy. Obviously, we took about five months off and then we returned to the redux of winter team tennis uh, for the playoffs, which we eked into after two teams competed and we ended up tying in points but having more match wins overall mm-hmm. we jason and i in the second half of our winter team tennis season went zero and five <laughs> so to say that we were carried by the rest of our team our b level and c level teams is a complete understatement but there we were on saturday evening at seven thirty after having practiced a couple of hours at supreme you know, socially distanced uh, on like in the viewer spectator area watching the bronze medal match. And we were poised. I know you is it you or Wade that hates that word? <laughs> Wade hates that word <laughs> because it reminds him of the tampon. <laughs> yes, I'm, I, I agree with him. I'm starting to hate that word, too. Anyway, we were poised to play our final against Team Violet, Team Purple. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did our best to prepare for that match uh, by having a bit of a game plan. But as you and I discussed prior to the match, we knew (laughs) that it was not going to be fun. No, definitely not going to be fun. Why is that? We, okay, we were playing uh, the, what I believe, whom I believe to be the strongest A1 team 
I mean, A1 isn't even shouldn't even be a classification for them this season. They played like open players the entire season. We played Jeremy and Riddell. Uh, you know, Riddell, I've known for years and years. He started playing tennis. Uh, I remember when he started playing at the C level, you know, and you could just see so much potential in him because he was a pro volleyball player in Cuba. Um, and, you know, both of them are just monsters. Not only are they physically imposing, like above six feet two, I'd say, but they've got huge motherfucking serves <laughs> and they're just beasts at the net. And these are the kind of guys, I mean, no, no tea, no shade, but like if I'm at the net and they get a floater, they're not even trying to hit at the open court. They're like, which eyeball do we want Aldwin to lose? Yeah. So, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we knew that it wasn't going to be a fun match. We had lost to them the, our two previous occasions. The first one was like bread six, one and one. And I think we got maybe two and two or two and three or something in, in the previous match. Yeah, but I'm um, slowly making our way up. We got to <laughs> two and three this time. <laughs> do you want but do you want to share? I, I think it would be cool for people to hear like what our game plan was. Yeah. Okay. So, that, I mean, <laughs> hmm. What What's the game plan? So they uh, can hit the serve wherever they want. So if you can get a ball back off their serve, that's a good start. So we did. We started there. We were like, let's get, <laughs> let's let's get the ball back in the court. <clears throat> How many times do we do that? Please don't ask us because we won't tell you. You <laughs> will let the score dictate what happened <laughs> uh we if if we did get the serve back we thought you know let's keep it sh uh, short at their feet or hit to their backhand yeah yes but as as per my previous point we didn't get many of those back so that didn't matter um and then we were like <laughs> we were like maybe we should lob a bit and i think you hit one or two beautiful lobs i luckily i did I yeah. did not and, my uh, not my forte, but you know what? You throw the kitchen sink at them. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, you know we had our chances on their serve a few times. I think there were three games where we were up fifteen forty, or two games we were up fifteen forty, and then one game we had a chance to take it to Deuce, and I flubbed a, a smash at the net. Mm -hmm. early in the match um so yeah my synopsis is that i hate playing them and that's nothing to do <laughs> uh with them it's just not fun generally they're not fun to play um as players but they're also not fun necessarily as people to play <laughs> yeah to i mean listen i think we can say um honestly i mean i'll only speak for my desk but you know i have crazy mad respect for Jeremy and Riddell. I mean, I told this to Jason on our car ride home. I was like, yo, if I could fucking pounce a serve at over 100 miles per hour and like beast balls left, right, and center, I'd be feeling good about my game too. But, you know, they just wouldn't shut the fuck up during our match. Like, <laughs> every possible second of playtime they were just talking to each other whether it was like giving each other signals or like talking about oh I, I, I wasn't there for this ball and I should have reached for it I was like girl you're winning 5-0 <laughs> like yeah. what is there to talk about <laughs> so yeah there is certainly a running commentary that is 
unnecessary for sure. You you got a bit heated on a call. Mm-hmm. It was in the first set. Um, you hit a cross court forehand, and Riddell, who was approximately fifty million kilometers away from the ball, <laughs> called it. Yeah. And uh, what was your what was your comment? <laughs> I was like, uh, "Why are you calling the ball when the guy who's hitting the ground stroke, who's like five feet from the line, didn't call it?" Yeah, and, and, and uh, their their whole statement was, you know, I'm focusing on the ground stroke. My partner should call it. I'm like, mm, mm. if you're playing singles, who's where's your partner? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about that particular scenario that I think is indicative of the entire match is that, you know, when you're in A1, you're at a level, I would say that, where people take it uber seriously. I mean, Jay, I mean, listen, everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to be competitive. We've all had moments on the court where, you know, um, a line call you felt went against you, etc. But, you know, most times in gay tennis, people are like, okay, cool, no problem, man. You can have that call. But Riddell immediately got defensive, and then it became a thing, and I could, like, if... If Jason was a cartoon and he had like a thermometer next to his head, like a, a picture of a thermometer, it was like ready to pop off the top. <laughs> yeah, like if they were checking my temperature at the front, they would have had to have booted me out. because <laughs> The temperature check would have been a red flag. Right. Anyway, all that to say, it was not an enjoyable match, but um, mad respect and kudos to those two for... Um, trying to kill us. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like I said to Jeffrey uh, after the match, I would rather eat a tennis ball than play them. <laughs> I, I do have a question for you, though. Did you, like, you know, when we whenever we play them, I always fantasize about, like, whenever I look at the other courts that are playing, like, for example, A2 is playing right next to us, and I see, like, a rally of more than two shots... I always fantasize what that feels like because, <laughs> you know, truthfully, in our match last night against Riddell and Jeremy, there were probably two or three rallies that lasted longer than two balls. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess that I, that is one of the main reasons why it's not enjoyable because you can't craft a point. I mean... Uh, what can you do like I don't know how you felt but on the return I felt completely debilitated even if I got the return in to place it away from the net player to block it high enough to get it out of reach of either of them was just so frustrating but yeah what y'all can do I I think if we tallied the number of points we won on their serve we won more on their serve when they double faulted versus when we actually got the ball (laughs) exactly yeah but you know what, partner? We had a good season. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe not a good season, but like I obviously still love playing with you. And um, here's to next season, which starts in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, and we'll decide whether we go to A1 or stay in A1 or go down to A2. To, TB, to be determined, you'll have to tune in. Yes. So speaking of tuning in, you tuned into Strasbourg and I turned into Hamburg, which... Just for all of my listeners who want to get, <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Th- who want to get to know my mom a little bit? <laughs> this is what she calls a burger. Let's have a hamburg. Oh, it's cute. Yeah. She doesn't want to pronounce the last syllable. No, she doesn't want to learn words at all because she still <laughs> thinks a TV program is a program that it starts with a C. 
she's gonna watch her, <laughs> she's gonna watch her programs and i i keep trying to let her know that the the letter is actually a p not a c but i find that so fascinating because i remember when we came went to visit your parents um you know you suggested that as a little gift for your mom to get her word searches Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of word looking up there. Yeah, she does word searches. She reads books, um, and she watches a lot of TV programs. <laughs> <laughs> does she have cronuts with her programs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, all right. I I just watched the final, which is was a good final, but Sitsi Pass flaked out again. Yeah, he did. He, he I was, was serving wor- for the match. I was worried that you, I at the beginning of our um, recording session, you hadn't, you didn't know who the winner was. So I guess you know who it is now. I mean, Avi. it was five, it was five four when we came on the Zoom mm. and, or on the FaceTime, and then it ended within like six minutes after that because Rublev took over. Yeah, I mean, I again, I didn't watch the, I haven't, I didn't watch the match at all, but. Too bad for Tsitsi. I mean, if anything, he made the final. He got his practice on clay. I kind of worry that, you know, he doesn't have any kind of break before the French. He he is going to play his first round match tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both in Hamburg. They got to get their asses over to uh, Roland Garros. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how he's going to do. Who I forget who his first round match is, but... It wasn't notable. It wasn't notable for me. Yeah, I don't recall either. But yeah, it is interesting. He found a bit more of his form, but again, he floundered up up and serving for the match, up a break, and he just lost the last three games. And now he's 0-5 in 500-level finals. Wow, of all time? Uh, Like in in his entire career? Yeah. Man. He has not won a 500-level tournament. That's funny because, you know, I think we talked about Zverev um, having that issue of execution, again, at particularly at the slams. But this is kind of creeping up as an issue for Tsitsi. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe his like airy-fairy philosophical ways aren't giving him the concrete confidence to snatch those tournaments anymore. He's got to get a little mean. Yeah, I think so. He's got to get a little mean. He's got to get a little tough. And... It, it, it was tough luck because I think some of those draws he was just um, he would end up playing Djokovic or Federer or Nadal and now he he got he lost to Rublev yeah what do you think about his game on clay Tsitsi um, I think if he has enough time he his ground strokes um, still work for him I for some reason Rublev was able to overpower him in many of those points Rublev's mm. a good player yeah, I watched Rublev versus Bublik. I mean, this is a bit of a tangent. Bublik is a fucking annoying piece <laughs> of shit. No offense. Like, the- wow. Like, he does, like, underhand. Oh, well, I mean, going back to our first segment, Jason did a couple of underhanded serves in our <laughs> final. And as I saw the fall- ball float over into the court, I'm like, does he like? Does he want a death wish for me? <laughs> <laughs> I had to keep it as we as we synopsized. It wasn't fun, so I had to make my own fun. You did, you yeah. did, and 
Okay, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Hate and on we you won for that. one of those two points. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We did. Actually, it, it, I mean, sorry to go back, but like you know, in the the very latter stages of that match, you held your serve, doing weird serves. Yeah, I won. I, I held my serve. <laughs> doing weird serves and then just counting on their mistakes but <laughs> <laughs> lots of spin so yeah Bublik did the the underhand serve I think he hit uh, he did hit one against Garen and he hit one against uh, FAA where they, they were both aces <laughs> and this is at Hamburg in, in uh, yes with ketchup and mustard Hamburg Oh man, Bublik, how did he do? He got pretty far, like quarters or something? He made the quarters, yeah. Oh, anyone else that you saw at Hamburg that you're like, dang, sis, you're really getting like your, your groove on here for that? I mean, Casper Rude made the semis yes. again, as he did in Rome. So he's he's obviously somebody to potentially watch at the French Open if he ain't tired. Mm-hmm. Um, Medvedev, I don't have any trust or faith in her. You don't? No, he How, lost out early in uh, in Hamburg. Maybe who he did, ate too many Hamburgs. Who did? <laughs> who did he lose to? I actually don't know because I tuned in after he had already been ousted. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like Hamburg, Strasbourg. I'm just gonna jump over to the to the Strasbourg tournament. Do it. Remember the the episode before I asked you. You know. You had said that Hamburg was happening the week before the French Open. And I'm like, I wonder if there's anything going on, you know, on the WTA tour. Maybe maybe the women are taking a break. <laughs> Lo and behold, you know, Strasbourg was uh, the first day of Strasbourg happened on our first day of uh, on our day of recording that podcast. And the draw wasn't significant. I mean, Kiki Burton's was the top seed. She replaced Pliskova, who's injured. Svitolina, who is the second seed, ended up winning the whole damn thing. And uh, no offense, ladies, there weren't really a lot of ladies there that I thought could possibly vie for the French Open. So I really didn't pay that much attention to the results. I mean, I have a couple of cute little stories here. Um, Do it. Now Habino, Japanese player, took out Sloan. And she took out Ostapenko, who again had like a teenage girl meltdown at the end of that at the end of that um, match where she smashed her racket. She lost. Ostapenko did. She did. She lost. I think in tie breaks, and I think Ostapenko has. I just don't. She gives me the Huber Jubers. I just. What, what is that? That sounds like a jelly bean or like a jube. <laughs> I mean, it goes back to her match with Naomi Brody that I um, imitated Naomi Brody's yes. reaction <laughs> to Ostapenko. You know, you, 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 you threw your racket at the ball boy or something like that, <laughs> whatever that was. She just has a temper and like she, oh, does she really deserve to win the French over, Open against Halep? No, she didn't. But um, Whoa, you have to watch that match again. Okay, fine. You know what? When you win sixty five, when you hit sixty five winners, sure, you deserve to win a Grand Slam title. I'm not gonna. <laughs> she not was gonna... just on fire. That's all. I guess, and I guess that's why Ostapenko is Ostapenko and has such amazing results, is because she is this woman that can catch fire and hit sixty five winners in a match and just string matches together and end up winning tournaments. But anyway, she also has a temper, and now Hibino, little Japanese nugget, kept her 
you know, kept her wits about her and won that match. And um, the big story that I think that came out of Strasbourg, honestly, is this woman named, I keep on saying woman, I don't want to, okay, full disclosure here, as a gay podcaster, I like to call people girls. Like, even if you're, you know, biologically male, I'm like, girl, you know what I mean? So (laughs) I don't want to offend, but like, there's this girl, she's not a girl, she's a woman, but whatever, Ribikina from Kazakhstan, she is like amazing. Six okay. six foot seven zillion at twenty one career high of number seventeen. She's won one premier WTA tour title. She won Hobart this year. Made five finals. She made the finals of Jiangxi, Shenzhen, Saint Petersburg, Dubai, where she lost to um, Halep in a tiebreaker, and she lost to Svitolina in the final. And you know, you and I, Jay, were talking in the car about like this group of women players. I would. <clears throat> Include, uh, you know, Anisimova, Rybakina, um, Blinkova, Yastremska. Who's the mom- lefty? The lefty? The, the, the lefty hook forehand. Vondrusova. Yes. Vondrusova. You know, Vondrusova is, I mean, she's, I would group her in that category in terms of age, but she has a different kind of game. She kind of relies a lot on spin. But these other girls are about like, they're like Jeremy and Riddell in like, female form they just come out for blood and they bludgeon the ball and so you know Ribikina, i think is one to look out for maybe not at the french open but she's got like kvitova vibes for me like big serve big forehand just blast you off the court but anyway congratulations to svitolina <laughs> like this entire segment about strasburg was about everyone other than the one that won the tournament but svitolina looks good happy for her She's going to go into the French Open. She's not going to win it, but <laughs> no, but she no. looks, but you know, she looks good. You know, the name Ribikina sounds like a condom brand. Oh, like Rib- Ribikina for your pleasure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I digress. Uh, one other thing before we move on to FO or foe. Mm. What's up with Sloan? Is she like oh. Ostapenkoing it at the moment? Sloan? Oh my gosh. I love Sloan. You love Sloan, don't you? Uh occasionally I can be a Sloan Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you not in advertising? I <laughs> Why? Uh, it, you know, it, uh, in university I was sort of a a, a fledgling student, but uh, the advertising class is the one that I got an A in. Yeah, you're just so good with words. <laughs> <laughs> Quick. Quick. Okay, Sloan. What do you mean by is she Ostapenkoing it? Well, you've talked about, you know, how she didn't deserve to win the French Open. And, you know, she she just seems to be struggling in the way that someone like Ostapenko is struggling so that that was the link there got it I first of all for the record I don't I think that Sloan totally deserved to win the U.S. Open um I just think that she I don't know to be honest with you I mean uh, her troubles have started started all the way in Lexington you know watched her matches there and then she played a couple of those um what do you call them not like what not official tournaments <laughs> help me help me yeah the the sort of exhibitions um, world team tennis stuff. right and you know i think one match that she played 
it was an uh, maybe it was an exhibition it was on clay and she kind of looked at her coach and she pointed to her racket and her what she seemed to be saying was like there's like it feels like nothing's coming off my racket like she's not you penetrating into the court her balls are not penetrating into the court and Sloan really relies on such heavy spin heavy balls um, to move her opponent side to side and I just think that for whatever reason she's not producing that kind of shot over and over again so you know I mean you and I both know a little a little you know doubt in your game can magnify itself and it can just cause you so many problems I think that's where her head's at right now maybe she was like what's this is this a racket where am I is this a tennis court? <laughs> well, you know, we wish her well, and we hope she does well at the French Open. She's a former finalist. Mm-hmm. Talk and she about had chances in that match and lost to Halep, who won her first Slam. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. So um, on to foe, foe. Uh, these mofos going to talk about foe. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to preview some of the draw obviously the you as you pointed out some matches have already taken place mm-hmm. um, and there are some doozies to watch out for obviously the big one on the men's side is Andy Murray versus Stan Wawrinka yeah I think that is the marquee match on bo- in both draws to really pay attention to I mean obviously just for the simple fact that they are both tennis legends you know, mm-hmm. both slam winners. So Yeah, and Vavrinka has won this tournament and Murray's been a finalist, I believe. Yeah. Okay, so. before before we get into the first round results, <laughs> you know, y'all that are listeners to our podcast know that Jason is um, loves to record his tennis matches, avoid social media to make sure that the results don't get um you know, don't get spoiled for him. So do you care? Do you care whether we run down a couple of first round no, we results? Should, we should definitely do that um, because it's important to our listeners to be up to date <laughs> four days after we drop the episode. So we should do that. But I, you know, can I just call out the U.S. Open IG account? Like, why are you giving <laughs> every match result for the French Open? Like, like maybe one match... Like the Azarenka match is one that I want to watch, and I don't want to know that she's already won the match one and two or two and one or whatever it is. Like, your tournament is over, okay? (laughs) Stick with the U.S. Open and stop giving us the results for the French Open. Stop trying to be relevant. Let the other Grand Slam have its moment, okay? You know what? But, girl, I think the other slams do that as well. Like, I know the... Well, they need to stop. (laughs) It's a sisterhood of slams. They look out wah, for each wah. other. Wah, okay. Wah. <laughs> fine, fine. Oh, we're going to have wham moments later. <laughs> okay, so a couple of first-round results. Um, I've got three results on the women's side. One, I think, pretty significant result on the men's side. Um, our girl, Zachary, rhymes with Dakary, defeated mm-hmm. the Aussie Tomjanovic uh, yes. pretty convincingly. Come uh, on our show, girl. Come on our show, honey. We don't want to go through your publicist. Like... Come on. <laughs> yeah, stop making us email your publicist. Come on the show. Um, side note, Tom, Tom Hill, who is a Zachary's coach, you know, continues his theme of posting 
pastries and coffee uh, the morning of his girls' match. Mm-hmm. And Tom, you look real cute just saying he's, that. He's a, a bit of a snackery. <laughs> he he is. He's a little. He had a snackery. He had like a little chocolate biscotti. A biscotti mm-hmm. snackery looked like it. Yeah, he posted also a story of him drinking that Lavazzo coffee or whatever brand it is, watching Nadal play. Oh, okay. One of one of our wham moments of, the, of this <laughs> episode. <laughs> um, Vika um, trounced Kovinic two and mm-hmm. one or one and two, something like that, and. Um, and I, I actually really, I just learned that this is how we pronounce her name. It's not Elise, it's Elise or Elise. Elise. Mertens. Oh, okay. Yeah, not Cornet. Mertens <laughs> beat Gasparian, who has a wicked one-handed backhand. But, you know, again, consistent Mertens is now into the second round. Um, do you know the significant men's result that just... No, I have the only match that I saw was from the damn U.S. Open IG of the Azarenka result. <laughs> okay, well, your boy and Hospital? Gus. No, oh. your boy and Gus from Montreal's boy Sinner. Oh, Sinner. Sinner, yeah. Sinner beat. Um, wait, I had that on my list. Who did you he did? He beat. He beat Goffin. He beat the quarter. The the quarterfinal. Specialist, uh, specialist, <laughs> <laughs> and he did it in three, like f- seven. I think seven five six love six three something like six that. Six love, yeah. Man, he good. I'm telling you, he's good. He's he's you know finding his stride. And Gus and I had a bit of a conversation on IG, and I told him, you know, Gus is first of all, Gus is an an incredible player out in Montreal. Not only is he incredible, but he's so nice um, and just one of the people that I look forward to seeing every time we go to Montreal. Um, and he reminds me of Sinner, like just l- tall, gangly, like, you know, albatross wingspan, just easy power. And um, yeah, he said Sinner, he, he like you, picked Sinner to be um, incredible, like mm-hmm. consistently top 10. And the kid is only 20. Yeah, I think he's only 20, maybe 19. Do you think Sinner would wear a skirt like Gus does? I mean, it depends on how big his junk is. I mean, Mm. he doesn't want to be flopping all around. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that is risky. He is Italian, so. (laughs) (laughs) Italian sausage. And he's probably uncut, too. (laughs) (laughs) Which means that foreskin could be flopping on the floor. Like past the hem of the skirt, yeah, exactly. For sure, for sure. Anyway, <laughs> that's the um, that's the R-rated portion of the show. <laughs> so those are the four matches that you have uh, for yes. us so far. Um, yeah, there's some other interesting. You know, I I'm I think Bublik as an entertainer. I'm interested to see. I'm I'm interested to watch this. So he. If he does the underhand serve again, so he's playing Malfis. Oh, that's gonna be an ent- like an entertaining match. Yeah, Opalka's playing Sock. Mm-hmm. Do you have any interest in that match? No. I mean, maybe four years ago when Sock was actually playing well, but yeah. um, <laughs> not really. Not really. Uh, team versus Chilich. That's a good one, no? Yeah, I want to see Berrettini and Pospisil. I always like to watch my my Nugget Pospisil. <laughs> um, Struff and Tiafo. Mm-hmm. 
um, RBA versus Gasquet. Like, these are pretty decent first-round matches. Yeah, RBA... Um, I, I think I'm developing a bit of a, a boy crush on RBA. His ground strokes are so smooth, but again, like, not really much in the way of weapons, but he can wear you down if if he gets you in an extended rally, for sure. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So, though, I mean, those are the interesting matches. I would have enjoyed watching Sinner, but whatever. Uh, maybe <laughs> I'll wa- maybe I'll still watch it. And I'm I'm interested to see you know what Benoit Pair does. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> I I think you and I are more interested in seeing what he does on his IG rather than on the court. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it is such a shame because Benoit Pair is so talented. I remember when he first burst onto the scene, everyone was talking about his backhand. He is. The mo- one of the most beautiful backhands I've ever seen, and just na- a natural talent with his hands. I mean, <laughs> I, I wish I, <laughs> I wish I got to see that talent firsthand in a, his hotel room. But anyway, first hands, <laughs> first hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he just. I think he's one of these guys that you know just gets into these streaks of like being committed to tennis, and then other times where he's. You know his regular self. He is just boisterous and boisterous and colorful, and I know shows his emotions on his sleeve, and that can kind of get in the way of winning matches. Yeah, at the moment he's living that rebel moniker and and enjoying being moderately disgruntled. <laughs> <laughs> we are enjoying his his semi nude posts on IG though. Yeah, come on our show. Come on our show, Benoit. We can speak yeah. French to you. Yeah, grow a pair and come on our show. <laughs> <laughs> See what I you, did there? I, <laughs> you you are um, tacking those notches of all of the interesting, <laughs> you know, monikers slash names slash nicknames you're giving all these players today. Slash I love that. innuendo. <laughs> okay, before we move on um, from the men, like who do you think – well, actually, let's give a, a, a clap clap to Steven Diaz, who is a, another Canadian who made the main draw. Yay, qualified from, into the draw. Yeah, that's exciting. Congratulations to her. Mm-hmm. If she wins her first round match, she'll likely face Nadal, which is probably a good segue <laughs> to who is like the favorite. Yeah, I mean, going back to Diaz for a second, he plays an American who I have never heard of. So this is his best shot at winning some money. <laughs> yeah, winning a, a, like tens, tens of thousands of dollars. You know, and for for a uh, journeyman like him, it's a big deal. So big, big, uh, big, what am I trying to say? Spit like, it out. <laughs> good luck to Steven in his first round match because we want him to get that shmoney. Um, okay, but favorites. I mean, uh, the favorite has to be Djokovic, obviously, with to to much to Gus's chagrin. Yeah, Joko is looks. I mean, Joko is Joko. I don't know what more to say about him. Um, I pick him to be hands down favorite. Like mm-hmm. it's hard for me to other than Nadal, which we're going to talk about in a second. It's hard to put a third or fourth person in there. especially especially on clay that has the talent wheels consistency to make it all the way to the championship. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the other, uh, so the, the, the top three that I have before or the top two I have before Nadal would be Djokovic and team. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then Nadal would be third, which is interesting for a guy who has won this tournament 12 times. To, I, and I think maybe in most people's books, they they wouldn't see him as the favorite this year. I don't know. I haven't been watching the, the commentators or listening to what people are saying, but... <laughs> Ryan, who is the number one, Ryan, our tennis friend that, you know, we played tennis with at East York. He is literally the number one Nadal fan of all time. You cannot speak ill about Nadal. He is the best thing that tennis has ever, the best tennis player that tennis has ever seen. And he will say himself that Nadal's chances are definitely not as good this year to win, what, a 13th? Mm-hmm. Well, so. I mean... Ryan may not want to listen to this episode <laughs> if he if he doesn't want anybody to disparage Nadal. I mean, I, Ryan is very logical, so he again he will admit himself. But you know, he's always he's always got a hard on for his boy Nadal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So you agree with my picks then? Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to go through my uh, list of men's players that m- might make a run at it. I mean, I think Chapo could go deep i think he looks like a good fourth round quarter um at the french um who looked really good in hamburg i don't know who cares he and rublev did obviously they made the oh yeah rublev no rublev match yeah rude Mm -hmm. yeah i think those are names that you'll probably see into the second week of the of the slam and on the women's side what's your what's your read What's my read? What's my read? Okay, well, first of all, let me just say this. The women's first-round matches aren't as juicy as the men's first-round matches. I'm only going to What gonna do you hi- mean? Puig versus Arani? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, juicy in the sense of, like, if you want to see the weird... Uh, you know what? I shouldn't even make fun of that because she had a shoulder injury, but poor Arani, former French Open finalist, like, is literally rock-bottom... It needs to qualify into like low level tournaments even to play the main draw and she used to be a top 10 for a couple of years I just feel mm-hmm. so bad for her yeah. but you know Irani just doesn't have anything on that serve and the girls are just killing her on that but yeah. um yeah okay quick rundown of first round matches I think are noteworthy our bestie Bouchard plays Kalinskaya um, Bouchard, I have a good. Fe- I think we have a good feeling about her. She made the final of Istanbul. Has enough practice on clay. Has had enough rest in between Istanbul and the French Open to make, you know, a good run deep into the into a major, which would be so good for her confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, problem though is that in the second round she faces likely Yastremska, who is, as I've mentioned before, just like out to kill the ball take all the air out of the ball every time she hits it um conta versus goff you know you talked about so much pressure on this 16 year old every time she plays a tournament um conta, yeah i mean i think based on her ranking and where she lands she's she's gonna play some top players in in the early rounds so she's gonna always have have it tough and she's not always going to win in the way we expect did her or, or or in the way that she did at the Aussie Open last year and you know at the US Open last year yeah and she struggled this year so yeah she's young give her a break give her a break 
we're still cuckoo for Coco Goff. Yes, you know? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, she's only sixteen. Let's not have like a Capriotti moment where she gets like you know she you know she just loses it all. Anyway, uh, I wrote down Contavite versus Garcia, but now that I see the matchup, I'm like I don't really care about that matchup. <laughs> yeah. um, Will okay, here's one: Venus Williams versus Shmidlova. Um, mm, I call Shmidlova delicious. <laughs> I know, you you'll, you'd have Shmidlova with a side of mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I call Shmidlova poltergeist because she remind no exorcist because <laughs> that's so not nice. But <laughs> Russell and I call sorry Russell for calling you out, but we call her poltergeist because she does look like you know um, Linda Blair when she was possessed by the devil in the when her head spun around. When her head spun around exactly. Um, and uh, if Venus Williams gets past her, she it's is another Vika and, and Venus match. It's another. She's not. She's not going to win against Shmidlova. Sorry, I'm sorry. I love you, Venus, but you're not. And um, the last first round match that I think is a little juicy is Peronkova versus Petkovic. The mom made the quarters, I think, of the U.S. The US yeah, and she, and she took a set from Serena. Took a set from Serena, and she faced she faces Pekovic, who's a former semifinalist, another German player that's trying to regain her form, and that's all I got. The bottom half of the draw on the women's side, I'm like, I don't even care for. No offense, you know. <laughs> I think all of the juice is happening in the top half, and in terms of favorites, who do you like, Jay? Halepe. Halepe. They call me Halepe Le Pew. <laughs> like Pepe Le Pew, but Halepe Le Pew. <laughs> she's, I mean, she's got to be the favorite, obvi. Yeah, I would throw in the hat Halepe. I might even put Svelina in there. Mugu. Yeah. Mugu, Azarenka, Serena. I'm not even putting Serena in there, no offense. Yeah. Speaking not. of speaking of Serena, we're going to move we're going to shift to our Wambulant segment. (laughs) (laughs) So um, there's some French Open news uh, that has happened in the last couple of days that we have categorized as categorized. (laughs) Oh my god! Can I just intro a segment properly for once? (laughs) Wham! This is this is our wambulant segment. Who are we gonna start with? We have three. Why don't we start? Okay, why don't we start with the the mildest of them all? Um, well, maybe. Okay, Djokovic and Serena. What do you think? Yeah. So um, here here to scoop. Uh, there are rules that these tournaments have put in place where they ask the players to reside themselves in the beautiful city of Paris in a specific location so that they can monitor the players, monitor their movement, keep track of them. And all that jazz. And uh, Serena and Joko didn't like that. No, not they at wanted, all. Yeah, they wanted to have their own private residence. <laughs> <laughs> I know, especially because they got their to stay at their own private residences at the U.S. Open. Uh, that that gets three wins. <laughs> So, what's your take on that? I mean, aside from saying "wah" another time, <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> I mean, you know what? When you watch the players' IGs, when you watch the players' IGs at the U.S. Open, and you watch them now, like I watched da- Daria Gavrilova 
um, obsessively because I think she has such star quality on IG. They're all, they are literally all recording IG stories from their hotel rooms that RG, Roland Garros, has put them up in. Mm. So here's my confusion. Serena said in a statement that if there are fans allowed on site at the at Roland Garros, players should be allowed to stay in their own private residences because of fear of COVID transmission. But Roland Garros is also using that as the same rationalization for having all the players in one centralized location, I guess, so they can monitor behavior and, you know, their whereabouts, their movements better, you know? Um, but what I don't understand is like, if there are fans that you're going to, well, you're obviously going to be socially distanced and wear masks, but you have to move from your private residence to your court. So you are going to have fans within your vicinity at some point. So what the fuck does it matter whether you're doing moving from your own private residence or from a hotel where you're allowed to stay at? Like, it's just, it reeks of privilege and it makes me so like, like, ew, ew. Ew. That gets four ews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, just be part of the community. Be happy yeah. that the tournament's happening. Be happy that you have play. Be happy that you have a chance at 90% of the prize money. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of behavior, like when egos start to get super inflated, where I get so turned off. Mm-hmm. You know, you. I talked. I. I told you yesterday in the car ride home. Like, I'm starting to get really turned off by Serena. You know, I loved Serena when she was like that girl coming back in the semifinal at the Australian Open against Maria Sharapova, where she like, you know, still was hungry and craving for slams, which I'm sure she still does. But she's kind of like now copying an attitude of like, you know, I'm a legend, so bow down at my feet. Like, give me a private residence. I'm like, girl, I'm over that. I'm so over that. I mean, I think there is something to that. I don't obviously she, I would assume that she is not putting herself out there as a legend, but you know, everybody else is doing that for her and at some point maybe you you feel it enough that you live it and you play into it. Yeah, and I mean Djokovic is not doing him himself any favors considering he only, like what did you call it? He he throat punched <laughs> or yeah. what, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we're all a little bit tired of um, Serena's mm-hmm. efforts to try and get to 24-2. We're all a bit exhausted from that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I still want her to be at 24, but, you know, get to 24, staying in that rinky-dink hotel like all the other players have to. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and try not to take any of that gym beam from the wet bar <laughs> <laughs> moving on to somebody who will have no chance at the wet bar um, because he won't be staying in any hotel because he's been withdrawn <laughs> is fernando verdasco but this is to i think that you'll agree i think this is a justified when it is a justified when so um, on this particular edition of the Wambulance, Fernando <laughs> Verdasco uh, tested a couple of times, I believe within the Roland Garros bubble as negative and then tested positive. But 
um, swears that he was not having any symptoms and uh, sort of advocated, I guess, for himself, obviously, because he wanted to play the tournament to be tested again. And they Mm -hmm. said no. But then he got his own private tests afterwards and tested negative a couple more times. So we did a poll of our listeners and... Mm -hmm. Uh, many of them agreed with his anger and frustration that he should have been tested again and had a chance to play in the tournament since he did test negative a couple times within 48 hours of being tested positive. Yeah, I, I guess you don't know what the breaking news on that on this story is. Do oh you? my God, is there breaking news? I just checked before we recorded. There's some hot breaking news on this freaking story. Oh my story. God, give Jason the juice. So Roland Garros um, changed their policy and they are now allowing retests of players that tested that originally tested positive. Uh, They are now administering tests um, to validate, to verify, to ensure that those players are actually positive. But Verdasco was refused. (gasps) That's a bit scandalous. That is Frickin' scandalous. And they officially changed this yesterday, this policy yesterday. And I know this because Verdasco went on another rant on his IG. He posted that RG had changed their policy as of yesterday, which would be, I'm assuming, Saturday. And uh, he requested a new test so that he could participate in the draw. And RG said, so sorry, honey bun, but you no play. No, no juegas. Is that how you say no play in... In Spanish, <laughs> no joyu. Uh, I do, I don't I don't know, but that that um, wow. We should we should take him out of the ambulance because he has a legit argument now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you and I are starting to pick up about RG about Roland Garros and their um, you know and their organization organizational team is that they are not making any exceptions for nobody, you know. But- so. Yeah, and well, it, what what's clear is they don't give a f, but they don't make an exception. But then they change the rule, so they're obviously making an exception, but it doesn't pertain to the person who um, enacted the or was the cause for the rule change. Yeah, which is crazy. And it you know it makes it makes me wonder for them to have to modify change the rule then someone else must have tested positive someone mm. must have tested positive for them to change the rule so i'm curious to know who that player is what draw they're part of and uh why wouldn't they let fernando like it doesn't make any sense why they wouldn't let fernando test again you know what i mean and he is he used he used the word outrage i think that's an understatement that's yeah you're right we should take him out of the ambulance yeah, we. I mean, we had to put it in the segment because he is he is probably weighing the the loudest. Yes, exactly. But, uh, exactly. Okay, our final wah of the <laughs> fo would be the twelve time champion. Oh, wait, you. Oh, I just saw that you did a little eye roll. <laughs> me? <laughs> yes, can you I see think, me? I guess <laughs> <laughs> I can see you, and I can see your little buddy on the sofa. Oh, nice. Honestly, I'm okay. If I'm, I'm if I'm starting to get over Serena, I'm really starting to get over Rafa. Rafa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the long and the short of it is, um, 
the tournament has forever and a day used Babylot balls. Mm. And now they've switched to Dunlop balls. Um, I Dunlop thought Wilson. Balls, uh, is it Wilson? I thought they were Dunlop. Mm. Someone it fact could, checked us on that. Yeah, actually, you could be right. Anyway, they've switched the balls. Somebody let us know on our Instagram which <laughs> they're using because I don't really give a shit. Um, <laughs> but they switched them because, uh, but somebody does give a shit, and his name is Rafa Nadal. He said that <clears throat> the change in the balls is dangerous. <laughs> and why is it dangerous? Because it's already going to be potentially damp and cold. Um, at the tournament and that these particular balls will slow down the play putting mm. players at risk of injury like is that a is that a legitimate risk like in how how are players i don't know how that puts players at risk of injury i mean i'm not an elite tennis player so i don't know what it's like to play a fortnight of tennis with heavy balls <laughs> um but is that <laughs> someone hangers. you know if there's a coach out there, Maria Sakkari, Tom Hill, is there really a legitimate risk of injury with heavier balls during, you know, especially in these weather conditions? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess the sense is that it slows down the play and that means the matches are going to be longer. So I think that's where the rub is. But I mean, dude, you the only thing you've been doing during the shutdown is playing and practicing on clay. Stop yeah. being stop being a little B. Okay, question for you because I've just made a, a mental connection. Remember when you went to the French Open and you were essentially wearing Canada Goose parkas with your moms and Wade? Yeah, it was June third or something, and it was the quarterfinal, um, which was supposed to be the ladies' semifinal, but it had been backed up because it rained like a full day and a half, and yeah. it was literally five degrees, and um, Wade's mom was basically frost frostbitten and her lips were purple <laughs> who won who won the french open men's title that year um i want to say it was either stan or joko i think it was stan Favreka. but it was definitely not nadal i don't believe so i think that was the year joko took him out yeah, so I mean, maybe there is something to be said about the conditions. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he doesn't want to play cold weather. He would rather have the balls be, you know, fast and fluffy and play like a hard court on clay. And I think he's just worried. He, I think he's just giving himself an out for not being able to capture his 13th. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, he does better when it's hot and muggy and sticky and sweaty. And it's not going to be that in Paris in late September, early October. So Nadal might be effed. Yeah. And, you know, when he came out with that statement about when the balls, oh, eh. <laughs> um, Medvedev came out, you know, against, I mean, I wouldn't say against Nadal, but he came out with a statement saying, listen, you know, what one player doesn't like, another player is going to like. And he said, you know, practicing with the balls suit, suits me just fine. I mean, we didn't give a lot of hope to Medvedev to go far in the draw, but um, he's absolutely right. I mean, what are you going to do? First of all, why did they even change the balls? Like, why would they change the balls? 
I don't know, because as we've synopsized in this episode and, you know, in our past when the French Open decided just unilaterally to move their tournament from (laughs) May to September, they do whatever the fuck they want. Guess so. But on I am I am looking forward to watching the French. I again didn't really watch um, Strasbourg, so I have a good week rest of not watching a lot of tennis and um yeah i'm really i'm just really looking forward to seeing what the french open looks like as it's played you know during this time during the fall season yeah i agree i'm looking forward to it as well i did not watch a ton of hamburg nor did i eat a ton of hamburg during (laughs) this last week so uh it'll be cool to see the french open uh before we go you mentioned daria Gavrilova. Gavrilova. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, but Wade swam with her in a pool when we were in <gasps> Australia because oh she my... was in our hotel. <laughs> oh my god! Did he talk to her? Yeah, I think they had a like a little brief conversation. Daria Gavrilova gives me so much life on IG. I keep on harassing her by sending her messages. She recently cut her hair, and she has what she calls a cute My Little Pony ponytail because the ends are dyed like a light pink. And I think that she would just be so entertaining and cute and exciting and just lovely and amazing to have on our podcast and just have some girl chat with, like we did with Jeannie. Yeah, Daria, if you're listening, (laughs) come on our show. Yeah. And you know what, Maria Zachary, you're not watching our our, um, IG stories anymore. What's up up with that? Yeah, what up with that, sack attack? Are you too busy playing tennis? Are you too busy winning? (laughs) Are you too busy going one and one versus Serena? You know what? That might be something to be honest. I think that she's probably gone blackout on her IG because she wants to focus on winning those matches. Yeah, that's Tom Hill's fault. Tom, let her go back on her IG. I know, man. Like, <laughs> stop being so tight with her. Speaking of, you and I need to get back on our IG so we can promote our podcast so everyone can like, share, review, subscribe, and all the likes such as. And thank you to the few people this week who did that. Yes, thank you so much for all of the love. We enjoy it. And uh, that's all I got to say. Yeah, we hope you enjoy it. Faux. Faux. Are we calling it faux? Yeah, faux 2020. Faux 2020. Like but we're my not vision gonna... better than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, bye. Hey, it's your serve. If you love this episode, be sure to give us a five-star review. And don't forget to share it with others and let them know what all the racket's about. See what I did there? And don't forget, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. See ya.